Alti. The online portal for institutional investors in Germany, Austria and Switzerland. Today's Alti interview is about government bonds, European credits and solutions. Our permanent listeners will not be astonished to hear that in this episode too, we are tirelessly looking for alternatives for institutional investors in the absence of interest rates. I am Christian Salo, and I'm very pleased to welcome Mark Rovers as a guest in our virtual studio today. Mark is the head of the Euro Credit Portfolio Management Team at Legal and General Investment Management, shortly LGIM. He joined the company in 2012, and before that, he was 12 years with BlackRock. He is in the industry since 1995, where he started at the APG, the former ABP Investments. Mark is also the manager of the LNG Euro Corporate Bond Fund. Hello, Mark. What a pleasure to welcome you in our virtual studio today. How are you? Yeah, thank you, Christian. Yeah, I'm well. Thank you. I like the way you say 1995. That makes it sound so long ago. I know that feeling, Mark. Don't worry. <laughs> Mark, if you look at the markets with the glasses of an institutional investor in Germany, Austria and Switzerland, are you happy? Are you sad? And can you still find things that inspire you? What level of enthusiasm should a typical financial investor develop these days? Uh, I must say that there are always things that inspire me. And I guess otherwise also I wouldn't have sort of stayed in the market and in this job for, for so long. There are many things to look at in, in credit. There's the macro, there's the sectors, sector developments. And obviously, there's all these individual companies and, and companies management, uh, which are always uh, keeping us on our toes, I would say, uh, in, 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 in a way. Um, yeah, and and I must say that's also the good thing what I find about about credit and euro credit is that you have so many levers to pull. Uh, it's not just macro, it's not just rates, uh, it's spreads, it's default risk, potential default risk, risk uh, rating risk. So there's a lot of things you, you, you look at and there's a lot of ideas you can implement in your portfolios. Uh, I'm, I'm happy about, for instance, our performance over the last year we managed to have a positive return every quarter in what was a very volatile market. We sometimes say we've seen a sort of a cycle compressed in almost like in a year, uh, uh, it, it seems. Uh, I'm also happy about how well established the Euro corporate bond market has, has become. You know, it's, 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 it's grown massively. Uh, it's a market now with well over 3,000 issues, uh, 500 or so issuers, uh, different sectors. So there are so many different ideas and 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 uh, uh, themes you 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 can implement in your portfolios. So so I often will say we are we are a core IG Euro credit investor. We don't need to look. That far outside of our market to do basically everything we we want to do. What makes maybe sad is not the the, the 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 right word, but what I'm maybe not so happy about is the dominant influence of of one major player. We all know which one that is. It's the European Central Bank, uh, because basically they're an indiscriminate buyer. 
and and suppressing volatility and also i would say limiting in a way price discovery uh, in that in that uh, market now we and every professional investor has come to to live with that and and and, and in a way we, we we can use it to our advantage i would say nowadays as well but i i still feel you know sometimes i say you you get like an asset manager in the market almost every week if if you have one party buying 9 billion or so of corporate bonds bonds uh, in in a month uh, so yeah as an as an active manager obviously you like to see volatility and 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 having sort of the presence of 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 this this buyer in the market to to a certain extent limits that volatility and and obviously we all know the short term effects but we we are all still guessing what the longer term impact of that uh, may be Mark, do you think what is the the role of the ECB? Is it still justified? How long should they stay in the market? I mean, they are a big influencer. It's a difficult question. Obviously, they have their they have their own agenda here and their own aims. If if you look back in sort of the first quarter last year, like March, April, that was also the moment when the Fed intervened in the market. And I think you could make an argument that the market was actually broken uh, at that time. Uh, and I think at that time also there was a good reason why, in this case, the Fed also got, got involved. I, When I look at spread levels at the moment, where we are in the bottom sort of 10 or 20 percentile in a historical context, when you look at bid-ask spreads, you look at the levels where IG corporates can access the market, at least from a market perspective, there's no reason why they should be involved. It is not surprising. After a long period in the absence of interest rate, fears suddenly arise. Fear of inflation, fear of interest rate hikes, fear of changing credit evaluation, and so on. And maybe an accelerated fear of a mix of that. Are these fears well-founded, and how should they be addressed? Well, surely, I think when you look at the level of interest rate still, and, and you look at German rates, 10-year rates, well, into negative territory at some point, minus 60 basis points, then maybe going up to minus 2025 and now going down again. Uh, but surely there is reason for for concern. Uh, because I would also say negative yields on its own don't don't give you any real buffer in terms of your investment portfolio. I think you can you can discuss how much diversification are negative yields actually giving you uh, in, 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 in your portfolio? Uh, I think it's a question also that a lot of allocators, asset allocators are nowadays facing, where, let's say, historically, you could have a portfolio of bonds and equity, and, and by basically diversifying between the two, you could limit the volatility. Uh, now, I would say correlations between equity and bond returns are a bit all over the place, and we see often actually scenarios where both bond prices and equity prices are, are, are going down. Uh, so, yeah, looking at the level of rates, I think that that's definitely, and, and, and maybe in a longer term, also in more fundamentally fundamental context, you look at monetary policy now not being on its own by actually being enhanced or, or, or fueled also by fiscal, very expensive fiscal Policy. I think if you look sort of in, in, in history, that has been actually a, a mix that, 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 
that could lead to substantially higher inflation. So I think these worries are definitely valid. One of the things, or, or let's say what I would like here on, in, in that context on IG credit, if you look at the duration of the IG, the Euro credit index, it's at around five years, uh, which basically gives you sort of a decent amount of protection because you, you take this five years and you put it also in the context of the positive carry versus government bonds, which in our portfolio, let's say, is around 100 basis points. So if you if you do a bit the math, spreads can widen 20 basis points before you actually start to lose money versus versus government bonds. And I think the impact of duration we've seen very clearly in the first quarter, where U.S. credit, for instance, with a longer duration of about eight, eight and a half years, you lost like over 4% on a total return basis. Euro credit, with a much shorter duration of around five years and less rate volatility, you would only lose probably like 0.9% on a, on a total return basis. So, yes, I can see why investors are worried, and I can see definitely why, why you should be worried when you're sort of running a lot of rate risk here which brings me to you know why are people running these long durations well it may be for regulatory reasons it may be to match liabilities here uh, but uh, I, I would say it, it, it another reason is that people are hunting yield and they're reaching out for yield which i think is always a very dangerous strategy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. imagine you would be one of these long-term fixed income investors like a typical German insurance company, a pension fund. What would be your advice right now? Well, I think obviously everybody has to deal with its, its, their own sort of regulatory framework. Uh, and it's, it's German pension funds, it's Dutch pension funds. Uh, there is a certain, certain amount of liability matching, which, which, well, I guess you cannot really avoid... Uh, and, 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 and I would also be a bit cautious here of, of, of being too, uh, let's say, firm or, or uh, certain about where yields are heading. You know, I think there were people who were saying when yields were going through 2%, well, it's time to go, to go short. Uh, and obviously, if you would run a pension fund with liabilities of 15, 20 years, You know, just think about the amount of mismatch and money that, that would have been lost if, if, if sort of you would have you would have taken that advice at, at with rates at, at these levels. I think overall, though, it definitely makes sense to be to be more cautious and to be well diversified, uh, not to take any risk you're not rewarded for. Uh, I would say, and I think also to, in a way, to 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 know your risk profile and to know to take the appropriate amount of risk here and know, and don't, don't join in on that hunt for yield because i i think we sort of when we when we started talking today we talked about that 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 bitcoin is not for everyone but equity is not for everyone equity risk is not for everyone i think high yield risk is not for everyone at least at least it, it's it's for to a certain extent uh, and i think it's about don't Don't let markets and don't let sort of the FOMO, as they call it, the fear of missing out, drive your investment strategy and join in for that. But as I say, that that hunt for yield and basically take 
additional risks in your portfolio which are not really in line with 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 your longer term strategy what where do you see the risks of your recommendation or where do you see the risks of the of investments in euro credits well there is obviously sort of the, i would say the tail risk that that you see inflation picking up a lot in europe and and the ecb basically will have to to capitulate and uh, not only stop its QE buying, but actually start to consider raising rates. So that that will obviously have a big impact of, on, on fixed income markets. Now, I would say that wouldn't just impact fixed income markets because I think that would also have a big impact of of, of all markets uh, at, at this stage. Because if anything, the bond market and and the low yield environment is also a major driver of the high equity valuations that we see. Uh, at, at, at this moment, so but yeah, definitely, I would say there 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 is a risk there. I think also a risk here would be that obviously rising rates. You know, how is it going to impact, especially peripheral countries, which are already struggling with high debt burdens, uh, especially Italy, obviously in this this context, and that's only been been made worse by the the Corona. Virus, uh, the, the Corona crisis uh, now, uh, and they obviously they are very dependent on these very low rates in terms of to finance and to refinance their their uh, their, their, their their deficits. Uh, I think in your portfolio you can position to some extent for that, and that's what we do. I think when you why take risks you're not really getting paid for. So in our portfolios we've actually reduced. Or holdings of peripheral bonds, especially Italian bonds, Italian utilities, as they no longer pay a real premium versus, for instance, German utilities. So, you know, why take why take that that risk? Uh, I th I think that is our job, basically, mainly is to look for opportunities all the time and to take risks that you're getting paid for and to avoid risks that you're that you're not getting uh, getting paid for. Uh, and I guess another risk here is, in, but that's more on credit, and I think especially in terms of the credits that are really dependent on the cheap money. Uh, it's something we keep a very close eye on as well. Uh, do companies, are they generating enough cash flow? Are they over leveraged? Uh, are they really dependent on this cheap money being available all the time? Or are they maybe vulnerable in terms of their, their financing profile? So I think there's... there's there's definitely risks here, but I think none that we can manage. Is your own portfolio constructed to that or prepared to that? So, actually, are you following your own advice? I would think so. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be doing my job really very well. Now, for instance, we, we like utilities. We've liked utilities for a long time. Uh, part of the reason we outperformed in, in, in the first quarter last year is because we felt that that cyclicals were getting overvalued and and utilities actually looked attractive. Uh, we also like utilities from a longer term point of view because of the electrification and for, for ESG considerations. Uh, you know, electricity more and more is like it's like the fuel of the future. So that sector actually has some some supportive fundamentals, uh, little cyclicality relative Defensive, as I mentioned, underweight uh, certain sick, uh, certain uh, peripheral countries where you feel you're not really getting paid for uh, 
you know, what could still be that, 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 that additional risk, I would call a tail risk. It's not something which we expect to happen, but I think it's still, it's still a tail risk uh, that you need to be aware of. Uh, when you look at the auto sector, well, partly because of the, the, the CSPP buying and obviously the great environment that auto manufacturers are in at the moment, spreads or, or many of them have become really tight, really compressed. At the same time, this is still a challenge sector. If you look at what electrification will mean for, for, for years to come, there will be winners and losers. Uh, so I think that is also something you, 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 need to, you need to be aware of. You are now responsible for financial assets and maybe a little bit biased for the next question. What do you think of real assets in a portfolio? Yeah, I always find real assets a, 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 a sort of a, a bit of a strange terminology because I think my or corporate bonds are very real. <laughs> they, they are. That's, it's, <laughs> it's corporate debt. It's, it's, you know, it's nothing virtual about it. Uh, or unreal but i see what you mean and i think you have to look real assets i guess they you you it's some people define them as like like houses or commodities but i think the definition has been expanded to basically assets that are not sort of traded on an exchange or not quoted where there's no where there's there's no 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 live pricing and and no liquidity uh, I can see the I can see the advantage and the, 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 the charm I would say of, of real assets, some real assets, definitely the one that protect you against inflation, uh, for instance. But generally speaking, I think if you're only talking about assets that are because they are in liquid and you know you hope to get a premium for that, well I think a lot of that premium has been squeezed out nowadays because there's been so much demand for it. And then when I look back Over the years, uh, in terms of you know, different markets and market conditions, I've, become, I've come to really appreciate the value of liquidity. Liquidity enables you, as an investor, liquidity enables you to adjust your portfolio according to different circumstances. We've, we've been through a financial crisis. We've been through a sovereign crisis. We've been through a commodity crisis. We've been through a COVID crisis. And all these different crises required different sort of strategies and and different portfolios and i would say the, the great thing about being in in maybe well, well, we call it financial assets but corporate bonds ig corporate bonds is is their liquidity uh, as a portfolio manager i like to have liquidity in my portfolio because also there it enables me to move around uh, And to change the portfolio as we see fit, it was a great asset to have in the first quarter and the first quarter last year. Uh, a great asset to have to have in the portfolio was actually German government bonds, because together with cash, that was the only really liquid asset and something you could use to pick up some of these very cheap new issues that came to the market. So again, a moment where you actually really value uh, liquidity. So yeah, I can see the uh, how, well, let's call it then real assets, how they can be attractive for certain reasons. But I think definitely, the, if, if the only reason is illiquidity for a low, for a low premium, I'm I'm a bit skeptical, and I guess I'm allowed to be skeptical and and, and talk my own book in that context. Uh, 
Finally, the last question, our crystal ball question. What do you predict for the markets in the, let's say, next three to five years and what should institutional investors expect? I would say expect the unexpected. Uh, a colleague of mine once said it's, it's like sometimes nothing happens for three years and then three years happen in in a week. Uh, and I would say a longer-term worry is I would, and that, it's not new, but it's the amount of debt that, that's in the system. Uh, I would also say, if you look at Europe, the stability and growth sort of package package agreement seems to be dead and buried at the moment. Uh, nobody talks again about, you know, restraint and and what was the Maastricht criteria again? Sixty percent debt to yeah. GDP. I think we we we. I think there's now seven countries in in the eurozone which are over a hundred percent. I guess one is actually approaching one hundred sixty percent. So we we are building up a massive amount of debt, uh, and you know this this expansion it, it, and and its expansionary mon expansionary monetary and fiscal policy. And I think we we'll still have to see how that all is going to play out. Uh, and obviously, we haven't faced any, and nobody has really faced a difficult question yet: is how we're going to pay for this? Are we going to pay for this uh, at all? So I, I think we are just facing an, an environment, or, 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 or and, and 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 I would say which is uncertain, but I would say that is always the case. So I, I, I continue in my job also think about scenarios and and. Uh, Yeah, as I say, try to be prepared for for what may not be 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 be, be expected. Uh, we talk about you can talk about U.S.-China relations, uh, global supply chains. We haven't talked even about ESG here and how environmental uh, considerations, uh, climate change can 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 have a big impact. If you look at our Markets, energy companies are a big part of our indices, are a big part of our markets. And how are they going to manage through this through this increasing focus on the on the environment? So we have a chance for a part two of the interview. I, I will definitely. I, I will know more in. I will know more in a year's time than I know now. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, as I, and it's a very general term. But I would say it's all relative in that sense. You know, as an investor, you have to consider all your different alternatives. And anyway, any, any, anyhow, any way I look at it, I think there's still definitely a place for for IG and for IG Euro credit in, in, in an investment portfolio. You know, just the cash at minus half percent or less is not is not a, is not a real alternative, is it? At the end of the day, that was Mark Rovers, head of Euro Credit from Legal and General Investment Management, about the European credit market. Thank you for the interesting conversation. LTE.com, the online portal for institutional investors in Germany, Austria and Switzerland. LTE.com.